you know, doing things that scare yourself a little bit. Like, and one of the things that I say to our team members internally, like, you know, they they might be anxious about a certain thing. It's like, yeah, that's where the growth happens. If you're not anxious about it or a little nervous or scared or whatever word you want to use to describe it, like you're not sweating a little, you know, you're not pushing that hard and it's comfortable. Good change doesn't happen when you're just like, yeah, we're just going to do this thing. It'll be all cool. And like, there's no risk whatsoever. There's got to be some risk. There's got to be a little like apprehension about it. That anxiety is there for a reason. And it's because like you're doing something big and it potentially has, it has some consequences. Good or bad, it has some consequences. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast, episode 121. Today we're chatting with Tom Kulzer. He's the founder and CEO of email marketing specialist A Weber. Twenty-two years in the business and grown it to over a hundred thousand customers across the globe. We chat about remote working, about how to create a highly productive team even when working remotely. They are they've moved now to permanently working remotely. We also have a conversation around. Some of the trends that are changing in the world of uh, online and digital marketing, and the importance of keep pushing yourself out your comfort zone and keep the exhilaration there of trying something new and keeping innovating whilst doing some of the basics right around talking with your customers and being available for your customers to speak uh, with you. So, jumping straight into my interview now with Tom Kulzer. CEO and founder of email marketing uh, software for small businesses, A Weber. Hi, Gavin here, and welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today, I'm with CEO and founder of A Weber, Tom Kulzer. He's been, what well, we just saying before we press record, um, in the whole space around Aweber and um, digital marketing for 22 years. He's now got 100,000 customers across the globe uh, and a, a real vanguard in the area uh, of marketing our wares online. So, Tom, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me t- a little bit about some of the, the, the story, the history of Aweber over you're 22 years now uh, in business and since, you know, start up to where you are now. Yeah, so I started eons ago now, it feels like. Uh, back in 98, um, I was selling uh, wireless modems uh, back then wow. before we had, you know, iPhone, high-speed iPhones and such in our pocket. Uh, or you could stream video and stuff. So this was, uh, you know, I think everybody was still on dial-up modems back then. Yeah. Um, and I'd go to computer shows and was representing this product there. And, and during the course of that, I was going to college at the same time. And I had developed a little automated email follow-up script uh, to kind of automate some of the like sales prospect follow-up. Like I'd meet somebody at a computer show, they'd want more information. I'd send them out manually and then that gets time consuming. So I wrote a little program that would send those emails out over the course of a couple of weeks and answer a lot of common questions and so forth. And one thing led to another. I ended up leaving that company to focus on school because, you know, that's kind of important. And uh, um, 
a bunch of people that I had been working with in other parts of the countries uh, that were also selling the same uh, product um, came to me and said, Hey, can I get that email script thing that you were doing? Like continue to run it since you stopped running it. And I was like, well, it was just something I was doing. Like I was just doing it for this. And they're like, no, I'll pay you. And I was like, Hmm. Maybe there's something a, in that. Yeah. Maybe there's something in that. And I had yeah, yeah. a couple dozen people say like, Hey, I'll pay you for that. Cause they told other people as well. And, uh, over that course of that, you know, like a six month period or so, I figured out how to make it, turn it into kind of like a generic service that anybody can use at the time that I launched in August of 98 before I went back to what would have been my junior year of college. 22 years later, <laughs> I'm still in my junior year of college. <laughs> so One area of, you know, that has evolved massively over those 22 years. Obviously the technology pieces evolved massively and changed beyond all recognition, but so has the way that we are marketing ourselves and our businesses online. Yeah. Yes and no. It's interesting. There's a, there's a lot that is different, but there's an awful lot that is, that is the same. At the end of the day, the fundamentals are all the same. It's just the websites and those sort of things that, that people, you know, list is essential to be present on they just change over time so you know at first it was like aol and, and yeah, yeah. then it, you know then it became like oh you got to be prevalent on myspace and other places and this is facebook and twitter and all those kind of things now so uh youtube videos and all that kind of stuff but the, at the end of the day it's 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 all about connecting with people um it's part of one of our kind of mission statements is connecting people in remarkable ways and like ultimately you still do that the same way you talk to people uh and you talk to to them in a way that is meaningful for them and they derive value from and that's how you build audiences as well so it's it's really it's really simple at the end of the day it's just the tools change over time so our tool that we have now with Aweber, you know from an email marketing automation standpoint looks totally different than what it did back in 98 but it's just right. an evolution of you know, the same core principles over time. And what are some of the sort of principles or processes internally that enables your offering to stay relevant and stay and it's a competitive market space, isn't it? So how you yeah. how you're staying relevant and how you're still staying attractive within a competitive market space. Um, lots of little things, you know, there, there's like the big architectural things that, you know, you say, you listen to your customers and you be forward thinking about, you know, the ways that you're presenting things and solving problems. Um, you know, and then there's lots of little stuff about how you track feature requests from, from customers and, you know, how we have like, into, like if you ask for a particular feature, it gets documented and it's part of a system and process that we have. So we know exactly like your account requested this feature on such and such date. And we track, you know, how, like how old your account is and like how much you've paid us over time and like how we decide basically it all goes into the formula of how we decide which features to build next. Um, and then there's also like, you know, feature prioritization that goes on that's outside of customer requests. I like to use the, the, the Apple example of no one requested a phone with no keyboard. But it was clearly ahead of its time when it launched and it was too much people's like early chagrin, but clearly they were on the right path. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know, his, history being 2020 there. Um, so, you know, you have to listen to your customers, but at the same time be thinking about the space with kind of that innovative mindset um, and have our product teams be constantly thinking about not just what our customers are asking for, but also what's happening on beyond um, 
you know, the direct customer requests. So a lot of, I think in a, in a software company, a lot of, it's really easy to get um, misdirected by customers that ask for a particular feature. Right. And I think you have to step back from a lot of those feature requests and go, what is the problem that the customer is trying to solve? Yeah, yeah. Because how I solve that problem might not be the feature that they're requesting. There's probably better ways to solve it when you're able to look, stand back at, from the ecosystem and say like, okay, this customer, they want this feature to solve this problem, but this other customer wants this different feature to solve the same problem. And they don't know about each other, but we know about them. And so you're able to iterate on those things to ultimately come up with better solutions. So it's, it's, it creates an interesting customer dynamic sometimes when it's like, yeah, we're, we're listening to you, but like we're not releasing the exact feature you request because it's a better way to solve that. And part of that's educational process and so forth. So and that happens through like our marketing team. You know, for many years, wasn't our marketing team. They're actually called our education team because so much of marketing really is just customer education sure. and, and how to do things more. Um, so do you have a, a, a regular process where you kind of stand back from the, the noise of all the individual request, customer requests to try to think longer term, where's the industry going? What's the evolving sort of yeah. problem suite that needs to be solved? How could our software address that? Yeah, we, yeah, we're constantly like we have a like an annual strategic planning process that we go through yeah. in order to make sure that we're still in alignment. Um, but you know, our software development is is follows an agile process, um, and what we might see as a as the priority to be working on three to six months from now might change because of something that happens today. Um, and while we, you know, are shooting for that as a target right now, and we have plans for what we're going to do a year, two years, three years down the road, there's lots of things that happen outside of our direct control that we need to be able to take, um, you know, into account and to iterate our process in, in an agile way. So, like, you know, I'm in the middle of June now. I know what I knew what our roadmap looked like at the beginning of the year, and it's more or less the same. But we shuffled a few things around based on outside, like, you know, the whole COVID-19 shuffled a lot of different things. So things that we prioritized around e-commerce and, and that sort of stuff got bumped up in the line just because it became that much more critical yeah, to all yeah. of our customers. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's not that it wasn't important before. It's just that we think that those can drive more value for our customer base now than if we waited three or six months for, you know, further down the line. Um, so it's just... You know, it, it's being able to iterate on those processes and talk to each other at the end of the day. So, you know, we're all remote now, like the rest of the world is. And we yeah. actually made the decision about a month ago to go permanently remote. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So we, we have we have had and still have a beautiful building um, where, where we were before. And uh, we decided that, that this method of working for us works better. Um, so have you have you got a, a, a lease to get out of, or you just got to carry well, on? Well, I, I, I own the building, so you oh, know, okay. the landlord, landlord's a real jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's but, an interesting uh, space now in terms of if more and more businesses are going to look to permanently work remotely. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think you'll see an interesting hybrid model. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, we've kind of done that in the past. Like we've had a lot of our engineering team work remotely uh, periodically. Um, and I find that it doesn't work um, because the people that are remote tend to get left out of the things that happen in the office. And it's really hard for to change that culture around how people meet and so forth in an office versus remote. Whereas when everyone's remote, like 
it, it, it completely evens the playing field. So after and how, how do you, I was going to say earlier that you probably part started to answer that is how do you create that team ethos, that collaboration um, when you were working remotely? Yeah, you have to be more deliberate about certain communication. Um, I think there's a lot of other things that happen um, better remotely. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in like asynchronous communication, like the written communication can be so much more powerful than the like meetings. I think people have a tendency to sit in too many meetings. Sure. And then, one, they're not productive. You know, they're nice to, they're nice for the, you know, the back and forth like this, but yeah. again, they have to be, those have to be small meetings. So it's like yeah. one-on-one type conversations that happen like this, like we're having right now, I think are tremendously valuable in building rapport and building like an understanding of people. And like, I feel like now I understand certain people on our team better now than I ever did when I, when I worked with them in our office, because now I see their like personal surroundings of and course. like where people decide to work. Yeah. It, it really, it really, it's interesting in that it, it really kind of, uh, it tells you a lot about kind of that person, you know, it's like, I can, I can see, you, you know, you got trees outside your window and yeah, yeah. and lots of books. And like, it tells me a lot about you as a person. Yeah. 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 Who knows if they're all just stage props. I don't know, but that <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's about me. Yeah. You know, if I was working with you directly, like you, you would know that those things are real or not real. Kind of yeah. Stuff. It's like, you know, I, you know, I have a very kind of minimalist view behind me. And that's very much how, you know, our house has become a more modern style. And that's just, sure. I'm, a, I'm a very like kind of cut and dry, like this is the yeah. way it's going to be and we're going to move forward with it. Yeah. And like how I live, you know, comes across uh, in, in ultimately how I work. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to be more deliberate about certain things. You know, obviously it's very different now in that, you know, most of our team is in Pennsylvania here in the U.S. Um, and if we were remote, but like normal times, we could still get together and have dinners and lunches and meetings right. and those sort of things if we needed to. But like, I, I've seen one of, I've seen my COO twice in the last four months in person. Wow. I stood, I stood in his front yard and talked to him on his front step, like 30 feet away. <laughs> wow. And, um, but you don't feel that you've lost any of that kind of connection then with the team? No, no, not right. at all. So, you know, I'd certainly love to go out to dinner and hang out with people, but sure. like, you know, the actual, like, getting the work done and communicating pe- with people and communicating with our customers, no, not at all. In, in fact, like, I feel like it's almost the opposite. I probably talk to more of our customers now than I did before because everything doesn't involve, like, driving somewhere or flying somewhere or like, going to a conference. Like, you just jump on a Zoom call. Like, everybody just jumps on a call now. And it's like, boom, you're right there. And it's like, you know, I can hang out from you and five minutes later, I can be on another call with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just works. It's so much more efficient and you're able to touch so many more people in more, I think, more meaningful ways. Um, so you, the time that you're not spent traveling or commuting, yeah. you're spent connecting with people within the team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hearing what their problems are and being able to brainstorm, you know, new solutions to those, I think is, is really powerful. So so some of the collaboration within a working environment some of the creativity and problem solving can come from almost casual hey joe can you help me out with this i just want to bounce something off you do you find people impromptu just calling somebody and just saying can i just run something by you oh yeah absolutely i do that all the time hey you got five minutes and your five minutes always turns into 15 but um, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know we we also we use slack uh for yeah, yeah. internal team communication and we were very deliberate about like making sure that team members communicate in public 
Um, because like you and I might have a conversation about a particular idea, but like, you know, Chris down the hall might, you know, down the hall might see it and, and have some additional context to add. And when, when you have that in public, especially in a written forum, like he doesn't need to be part of that meeting or that conversation right that second, but like he might see it an hour, two hours, or even a day or two later and have something to add, to add there that adds value um, and new context that you and I talking about a thing might not have otherwise had. And I think that's, that's really the power of remote of like, you know, I don't need, you know, it doesn't need to be the real time water cooler conversation that everybody talks about. It can be kind of this extended water cooler uh, conversation that really involves a lot of people from all around the company, you know, the company uh, giving their input that might have not otherwise had. Like our CS team, in our when we're in our physical office, is on a different floor than our engineering team. And it's like, yeah, we all get together for lunches and we sit together for lunch because we had a, a big lunch cafeteria and stuff. And it's like, you get that collaboration there, but there's lots of work stuff that goes on that they wouldn't necessarily over here. Whereas now when it's in a chat or it's in um, Confluence, our, our internal like wiki document system, like other people can see it and comment on it and pass it around in ways that you just couldn't before. Um, so I think, I think that sort of stuff actually works a lot better. It's different. You have to be a personality that is, um, you know, more wired for writing things down. Like some people it's been a little bit of a plug to try to get them to write more things down. Right. Um, but I think that in the long run, I think it's, you know, the last four months have been pretty, pretty great from that collaboration standpoint. I think we have better ideas as a result of work. Hi, Gavin here. Hey, you've been hearing me talk about recently the upcoming release of my new book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. To find out more, head over to www.surviveandthrive.cc. That's surviveandthrive.cc. You know, part one of the book is aimed at those that are literally in survival mode. If you want people that you owe money to to stop calling you and your team three times a day if you want to pump some more cash find out how you can pump some more cash into your business if you want to stop wasting money then part one of the book is for you part two is if you are tired of plateauing profits plateauing revenues and you want to sort you act out then in plain english straight down you know down to where pragmatic and practical styles i'll show you the six steps the things that you need to do to get your business from you know poorly plateauing to vibrantly thriving. So head over to www.surviveandthrive.cc. And do you find some, some members of your team have struggled to adapt with interruptions and distractions at home, particularly if the kids have been, you've got young kids and the kids have been at home? Yeah, that's been a balance. You know, at the end of the day, we're like, we're not in normal times. So like that, you know, you kind of have to deal with what you got to deal with. Like my kids, I have two kids. I have a 10 year old and a seven year old. And while, you know, fortunately my wife doesn't work. So she's able to kind of mediate the kids virtual schools as well. You know, some of our, some of the rest of our team members, you know, are swapping kids back and forth. They're yeah, not yeah. really young kids. And, yeah. you know, you know it's, we've, we've managed to figure it out in a way that works. Obviously, that's not viable super long term. Um, but for right now, you got to kind of make it work. And that's just how teams, you know, you have to make it work. Like, there really is no other option. What so. if there's a, a, a bit more flexibility there, which obviously everybody is, you, you could actually lead yeah. to a, a better quality of life, couldn't you, for an individual that maybe does take a little bit of time out with the kids at lunchtime or whatever rather and then sees a little bit more of the children? 
Absolutely. I eat lunch with my kids every day. I eat dinner yeah, with my kids every day. I didn't do that before. Oh, you no. know, like I, I'd like to say I was a great dad and I was home for every dinner. Yeah, no. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, even though, whether it was traveling or whether it was just late working on something, like yeah. it's just kind of how it works. And, you know, I was, my commute was only 10 minutes from our office. You know, other team members had an hour, hour and a half commutes by, yeah. you know, their own choice. And it's like, now they don't have that. It's like, you got a whole extra like two, three hours of your day back again. Like that's pretty that's awesome. Significant. Yeah. Um, significant. And that can really meaningfully change how, how you work. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how work gets done going forward, you know, globally. Um, this is, you know, like I said, we adopted this as a permanent thing. Obviously nothing's permanent. If it really doesn't work, we go back to an office, but right now so far so good. And do you see any uh, tra- changing trends in in the online the digital marketing space? You know, over 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 recent months, it's been interesting. So, like email engagement is definitely up. Um, right. I would say uh, mobile usage has been down a little bit because most a lot of people are sitting in front of like actual computers and devices, and you're not like on the go to meetings. Like whereas. You know, I used to, if I'm flying somewhere, like I'm on my phone when I'm in an airport and that kind of stuff. I'm not usually pulling out the laptop uh, unless I'm really sitting somewhere for a while. But like, you know, even in the car, like if I'm with a teammate going to another meeting, like if they're driving, like I'm on my phone, like I'm mm-hmm. answering emails, I'm on full calls, and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so your engagement on, on desktop is, is different. E-commerce has definitely picked up. Um, you know, there there's... Uh, there's some interesting trends on people that have higher open rates and other segments of the market have lower open rates. Just, it depends on like how people are engaging. Like, you know, our restaurant businesses have fallen off to some extent, but then there's other, other businesses that are in that same industry that depending on how they've represented themselves, you know, their digital stuff is going crazy because they're doing all touchless, you know, they're doing in our area anyway, they can do like takeout and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. have gone yeah. really techie to the point where like you show up, you know, you text the number, they bring out your food, it's already paid for, no one touches anything other than like the swap in the bag. Um, and even then sometimes like they put it on a table and you drive by and you grab your bag off the table and there's no human there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it just depends on like the technical sophistication level of how far people have automated those things. But um, you know, in general, engagement has been up overall. Uh, we're seeing a lot more emails being read, more emails being sent too. Right. Um, just because you're not sending, you know, in my household anyway, like we have a postal mail quarantine zone before it comes into the house. Right. So, uh, you know, it's like maybe that's being a little, a little overbearing on it or a little, you know, more risk adverse than, than others. But like, you know, my email, I see it immediately. Post the mail, it sits in my garage for three days before I look at it. <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, it just depends on, on how people interact with things and the choices that they've made to try to keep them safe. And do you see uh, within those emails, is there any trends towards, uh, there's all, uh, there was always a, a growth of video, of course, and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, has that accelerated the shift over to video or has it gone back more to plain text? Um, I can't say that I've seen a direct correlation to like video usage. There's definitely a lot more links. Like when I've done link analysis on uh, like who people, what, like where people are linking to, YouTube is is a really popular destination to begin with. A lot of people do the like embedded email with the play button on top of it. Sure. Um, but uh, I've seen a lot more like webinars and virtual conferences and those sort of things and people working on the logistics behind pulling those off at scale. Um, you know, a lot of like really big like multi thousand people conferences. 
that were, that were previously in person are now going digital and they're even bigger because usually they either lower the fees or have no fee for these things. And they're all digital. So you like, you can kind of show up to what you want not travel costs. So like the attendance rates on some of these virtual events are like through the roof. Um, and then we did our marketing team just did one, uh, was like last week or the week before last that like had like four times as many people on it as we were expecting to, to be there. Um, and like those, those kind of things are great because you're able to reach so many more people. For sure. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how those things change in the future as well, um, as to you know, how you kind of reach your reach your audience and provide the most value. Like, there's definitely value in being in person in those ad hoc conversations that happen and the random meetings that when they turn into a virtual conference, like don't have like it's more about the content there than necessarily the people that are there um, when they're virtual. But it's been interesting to see those changes and see how they continue to evolve <laughs> so like uh, like many businesses that you, you're in a competitive market space and new players have entered the market since you know you started uh, a weber 22 or so years ago so how um wh- how do you make sure that you are not only looking after your existing customers but you're constantly growing that customer base now, I think at a, at a certain level, there's there's amount there's an amount of like core business fundamentals that kind of play into it. Of like, just do really well by your existing customers, and they're going to tell other people about you and the solutions that they have. And it's and it's not even maybe misphrase that to some extent. Like, it's not about that they're telling you they're telling other people about you. It's they're telling other people about the success that they're having. And then ultimately they point back to like, yeah, it's this tool that helped me do that thing really cool uh, and really easily and really fast. You know, those, those, those are the kind of things that people pass on. Um, you know, so having those kind of referral networks, whether it's your direct customers or even like more of a paid, you know, affiliate advocate, you know, referral partner kind of folks um, is, is really key. Um, you know, for us, one of our big core de- differentiators is our customer solutions team. A lot of digital services have like no support whatsoever. And it's not the kind of support that you need, like that's there for like when something's broken kind of support. Like that's the bare minimum that people expect. It's it's the it's more that I don't want to call it consulting, but it's more the advice because so many of our customers are small businesses and like our our support volumes went up quite a bit um during COVID because a lot of people were doing a lot of things that they'd never done before and trying to integrate things that they hadn't done before right. and using thir- you know other third-party services that didn't have like any level of support and they knew they could call us and get us on the phone and they could you know say hey like i'm trying to use this particular like webinar software to to do my email you know to, how do how do i integrate when somebody signs up for my webinar to get you know, a welcome email and to get some follow-up emails after that. It's like, oh, we've got integrations for that. You can do that really easy. And like, here's exactly step one, two, three. And we walk people through that on the phone. And it was like, it's like really basic stuff. It's not complicated on our part to do it. But the fact that they can't get through to somebody else's platform to get that level of support, it just leaves them hanging. So when they have like this excellent experience with our team, it leaves an impression. It does. Um, and it seems really simple. It seems like, you know, Hey, help your customers when they have questions, like answer them. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's not, it's not rocket science. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, so being able to do those basic things, but those things have a cost and other companies yeah. decide to shave those costs and, you know, to, to be able to have better margins or others. And, and I think that it's just, I think it's short-sighted um, and, and being able to save a buck on, you know, crappy, ser- you know, crappy customer service is, is not how you build a long-term company. <laughs> no, absolutely. And if it's about maximizing lifetime um, customer value, yeah. then that cost serving, looking after that customer, then being able to reach out and talk to a human being, then that retention figures, your retention yeah. and all flip side, your churn must be that much lower than probably some of the other players in the marketplace. You know, so, so, you know, we're constantly trying to improve those things. We're never satisfied with where they are now. So, um, you know, and I think that there's a lot of small businesses out there that are really struggling right now. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I kind of look at it as doing our part to, to try to make as many of them successful and viable as long-term as, as we possibly can. You know, most small businesses at the end of the day, when you look at the statistics, they're kind of depressing. Like most small businesses fail. Yeah, um, yeah. And that sucks. <laughs> and and we want to do what we can to, to make as many of them successful because, you know, the impact that they can have and that we can have as a byproduct of making all these businesses successful is, is really tremendous. And that's really like, end of the day like that's why i wake up every day it's not because you know the thing that i was doing 20 years ago it's because of who i can help today with the solutions that we have now uh, to make their life better and ultimately like all of their subscribers so it's not just like the business it's also all of the people that they touch and it's pretty it's pretty cool when you look at the like what it is and particularly where you you've seen uh, you know retail for example physical bricks and mortar retail where they where they've had to switch more to just purely digital um and more online you your e-commerce capability yeah. is a lifesaver for the, for those businesses and, and the Absolutely. families of the people that are employed there yeah and even thinking like you know just thinking about you know like e-commerce like everyone always thinks about e-commerce as like drive rep or excuse me email marketing as a thing to drive revenue it's used for so much more than that. Like, you know, uh, team member, like onboarding, like new employee training that has become that much more critical in the, in the, this remote age of making sure that people get the resources that they need. You know, like we've, we've worked with a lot of like schools and that sort of like digital classrooms. Like my kids are all digital and it's like the, our, the, our kid, my kid's school wasn't doing any of that stuff before. And they had to figure it all out on the fly while they've got, you know, hundreds of students like needing to get educated and, you know, driving their parents nuts at home. And you got to put some structure around that. And so we've worked with a lot of schools and educational resources. Like, so there's a lot of stuff that happens wow. beyond just like email and e-commerce um, that email is used for. So this has opened up new sectors fact. for you, has it? New industry verticals for you? I, would, I wouldn't say it's necessarily new for us. I think it's new to many of the world to realize that you can use those sort of tools to make those other processes more efficiently. I think yeah. a lot of business owners and a lot of people in general think of it as just drive revenue, 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 revenue. It's like, no, it's really about education and communication. And that spans such a wide gamut of, of different implementations you know whether it's the schools you know farms educating people about how to like grow gardens like because you know people were concerned about like food scarcity and that kind of stuff and it's like being able to solve those and like hey my local farm i can sign up to learn how to do this and it's like ultimately like when things get back to normal like i'm going to patronize them because they you know they helped they helped us survive during that time and they were a valued partner during that time to make things as normal as you could be 
And I think that's how those you know businesses have kind of connected with their local customers in different ways than they might have before. But what I love about that, Tom, is that um, you've completely reframed in my mind. I was, uh, you know, hand up. I was guilty of thinking um, that it, it, it it's a lead gen uh, tool system and follow-up system to generate to drive revenue engagement and revenue but actually what you're saying is that you're keeping in co- contact with your employees your, your customers your, your prospects and, yeah. and 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 it's enabling as a, as, a, as you say communication tool but it's enabling as a tool set to enable efficiency across your whole of your business and and, and then create capacity and scale and all of a sudden you know blokes are really good at compartmentalizing things aren't we and i and all of a sudden now it's just like whoa the the, the number of use cases now for a weber yeah. has just sort of increased massively in my mind as a result of it yeah absolutely so i think you know like i mentioned briefly like employee onboarding like just teaching team members how to execute on what they're doing like you can create all these kind of you, know, you may have heard the term like evergreen content that content sure, yeah. that just lives on forever and ever when you write it once and it's pretty much good forever you know at least 5 10 15 kind of years and it's like you can set those all up in email sequences to get to new team members and to be able to communicate like your core values and your culture and your mission and all the like mushy stuff that people just kind of like maybe assimilate when they join somewhere and maybe don't but when you're remote, like you have to be more deliberate about that kind of education. Um, so like, you know, even like gov- local governments, like communicating with their citizens, like, you know, when you go to your local government website, it probably has an email sign up form on it. And it's like, they're not driving e-commerce revenue, they're just communicating with people. But at the same time, they use the similar tools to know like what's, who's engaging with what, like what, you know, percentage of people are clicking through to go see this particular notice to know whether or not they need to send more education about those things. Um, so it just, it's, it's the, it's more education and communication than necessarily just e-commerce. Um, so. And in your role as CEO, how do you, how do you ensure that you're spending enough time on, on the bigger picture stuff that they'll move the dial in your business that you're, you, you know that whole phrase working on your business rather than in your business and uh, you could so easily get called into you know the nitty-gritty detail yeah. around features and and development time frames and how do you personally ensure you spend enough time on charting the path of you know the, the strategic development and growth of the business it's interesting as like particularly being remote it's been interesting like on one hand it's really especially like if i have slack up and it's beeping at me in the background and those kind of things it's like it's really easy to get sucked into stuff uh you know my inbox definitely probably definitely gets more volume now than it did before i think for me it is easy to get sucked into that minutia the most effective way to make sure I don't because I am remote and because the only people that are going to knock on my door are my kids and my wife. (laughs) Um, You know, I close the email program and I close Slack and then I can think about the business. You know, I use OmniFocus for like my kind of new, you know, uh, stuff. And it's like, I leave that up, leave the web browser up and I write whatever it is because most of what I'm doing when I'm thinking about the business is writing and brainstorming and a lot of that goes into confluence our, our internal company like documentation uh wiki and that's the best part about being remote is because when i write stuff down i immediately get feedback from other people um, right 
And, and that is really key to kind of instructing the things that are blind spots for even myself, because no matter how connected I am, and no matter how many people I talk about, you know, like Mary and our CS team, she's talked to, you know, four dozen different customers today that have like real problems, whereas I might have only talked to one or two. Sure, um, sure. And, and so like that kind of perspective, I think, is, is really great in being able to get that kind of feedback. But it's like just close the distractions and focus on those. Um, and you know, do you schedule the meetings. time in? Do you schedule the I, time in for that thinking? It depends. Um, I'm, I have fewer meetings now than I did before because I think it was really easy for people to just be like, oh, I'll schedule some time on Tom's calendar and we'll talk about this thing. Whereas now it just tends to be that asynchronous communication where it's like, they'll send me an email with a document of like this thing they want to brainstorm on. Um, and they found that I think, I don't know, I go back and forth. Like I love the in-person stuff and I like the async stuff. So it's, it's a balance. When I, on weeks when I don't have a ton of meetings, I don't schedule it in. On weeks when like I know I'm heavier in meetings, I will schedule it. My brain doesn't tend to work on a schedule though, from like that, like thinking about the business at like a grant. So like I do much of my best thinking on the business in the middle of the night. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I tend to be a night owl and like, you know, I definitely have work life balance, but at the same time, like work is life to me to some extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but like, it's not, the, it's not the only thing that I live for, but like at nine o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night when I have an idea, like yeah, I wander into my office and I start writing. Yeah. Um, and that's fun to me. Uh, and you know, my wife gives me a hard time about it. She's like, you just think this, all this stuff is this fun. It just seems like so much work. And I'm like, well, it is work, but like, it's fun. You yeah. Know? I love it. Yeah. So when you do what you love, it's not really work. No, absolutely. Yeah. As the business has grown, um, how how have you sort of kept check on the areas that you should be spending time on and letting go of some of the other stuff? Because I know that through growth and evolution of a um, a lot of businesses, the the, the founders can can sometimes struggle to let go of stuff as as they need you know as the business grows. How have you kept a check on? making sure you're spending time on the right stuff at the stage of the way the business is at. I think a lot of people aren't honest with themselves. We still, I still spend a lot of time on stuff that I shouldn't be spending time on, but I do it because I enjoy it. And that's part of, I think part of, part of being good at what you do is also recognizing the things that you do really enjoy. And while it may not be the exact best thing to spend your time on, other people might be able to do it. Other people can do it. Like I'm pretty replaceable in the grand scheme of things. Like, and anybody that pretty much everybody's replaceable in the grand scheme of things. And anybody that thinks they're not, is kind of a little delusional in my opinion. <laughs> like sure. somebody else could run a Weber probably as good, if not better than I can. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just being real with, with what is important and what isn't. And part of doing the things that, you know, part of doing those things that I shouldn't be doing is me having fun doing it and making sure that I then am in a good mood to do the things that I do need to do that I might not enjoy as much. Um, and then there's other things that, that like, I, I am not as good at, like I am not a good people manager um, and having a good team and one recognizing that I'm not a good people manager is both a, a recognition that I've had myself as well as I've had many a smart people tell me that I'm not good at it and having good people that will tell you and be honest with you, like, Hey, you're really not that good at this. Like maybe we should do it a different way. Um, so like I have two direct reports, you know, right, and okay. many CEOs might have many more and that might work for them. 
it's not, I, I don't, I love working with people. I hate managing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's two very different disciplines and a good yeah, people sure. manager. Um, it's a very, it's a very specific set of skills. Um, that's just, it's not something that I'm good at and it's not something that I really care to learn more. About. I know a lot about it and I know when somebody else is a good people manager, <laughs> I just know that I'm not a good one and I don't have any desire to be a good one. So uh, it doesn't mean I'm a jerk, but it just means that we have better people that, that do that better than I can. Um, so I think recognizing those things, you know, recognizing at the same time, like I don't know what I don't know yes. and being open to that feedback from our team uh, to be able to iterate on that and, and be better as a result. You know, I'm not perfect. Nobody else is. And no one else is either. And we all just need to continue to grow together. So, <laughs> and which is fantastic. And I see that you know, 22 years in, your 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 passion, your interest, uh, the 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 spark, the curiosity is still there. I, I I talk to businesses that are maybe only 10 years into their business career journey, and they can be quite jaded. They can have had enough, but but you you're obviously finding. There's enough new um, creative aspects of the work to, to keep you stimulated, engaged, and, and also the piece that you mentioned earlier around um, noticing and seeing the difference that you're making in other people's businesses and their lives. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's really where the meaning you know draws for me is being able to have a bigger picture impact, um, but at the same time, like drill down to like one specific person, like hey, that thing we did three months ago really helped her today um, and had a meaningful impact on her, you know, that particular customer and her family and people that she serves as well. So, and I think that's, that's really, it's, it's the people connection part of it that, that I think is um, for me the most, the most valuable. And I know many of the rest of the people in our, in our team think the same way. It's not, you know, about this one feature, like that's exciting, but it's how is it going to directly impact somebody else? She says you're a people and communications business and you're uh, aiding that to become much more efficient, aren't you, rather than being uh, a, a software business. So Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're and we're very deliberate about that too. So yeah. um yeah. Fantastic. So uh you mentioned earlier on that a number of, you've seen a number of businesses your in your customer base that have found it uh, have been struggling uh through a tough time at the moment. Um in any journey of growth, you're going to have setbacks in business. You're going to sort of weather storms, have economic downturns, recessions, etc. How have you sort of adapted and um, kept sort of pitch yourself back up in response to any challenges that you might have uh, sort of faced on the journey? Um, you know, I think a lot of that just comes down to kind of continually educating yourself, uh, continually surrounding yourself with people that really challenge you. Um, you know, doing things that scare yourself a little bit. Like, I, I, you know, one of the things that I say to our team members internally, like, you know, hey, you know, they're, they're, they might be anxious about a certain thing. It's like, yeah, that's where the growth happens. Yeah. It's like, if you're not anxious about it or a little nervous yeah. or scared or whatever word you want to use to describe it, like, you're not sweating a little, yeah. you know, like, you're not pushing that hard and it's comfortable. And like, change doesn't happen. Like, good change doesn't happen when you're just like, yeah, we're just going to do this thing. It'll be all cool. And like, there's no risk whatsoever. Like there's gotta be some risk. There's gotta be a little like apprehension about it. Like there, you know, like 
that, that anxiety is there for a reason. And it's because like you're doing something big and it potentially has, in, you know, it has some consequences, good or bad. It has some consequences. Um, and I think that a lot of people shy away from that. I think our, um, our, our culture in general kind of shies away from, from that, like discomfort. Like I look at that as a, as a great thing. Um, and if I'm, you know, when I get bored is usually when it's like, yes, business as usual, like we're doing the same things, like we're, you know, executing on products and like that's getting out there and got marketing messages, everything in, in our customer solutions team is going all hunky dory. Like it's just, it's like, it's not what you tried. That. Like it's, it's just not that interesting. Um, and I think that if you really want to have meaningful change, like, you know, a meaningful impact, you can't be doing the same thing that you did the day before, the week before, the month before, the year before, and you can't be doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Like there has to be some portion of your audience that's telling you you're out there. Like you're a little, you know, like this is not the way it should be done because like most people want exactly what they had before and they don't want to go through any of that sort of change. So the fact that you are pushing for it and that you are hearing push back on it, I always take as a good sign that we're in, you know, obviously we've had our missteps where, you know, there's some, we make a change on something and it's like, Oh, I didn't foresee that. And it's like being willing to acknowledge that like, Oh, that wasn't such a good idea. We're going to go back and do it this other way now. Um, but I think it's adopting and, and being conscious of change and pushing yourself out of that comfort zone is really where you get the overall meaningful impact and meaningful change in the long term. So. Totally, totally. So do I do I see a, a, a picture on the on the background behind you of sailing also? Oh yeah, yeah. So yep, that's my uh, moth uh, duck out of the way here. Oh, it's, fantastic uh, foiling a, as well, and yeah, a little foiling action. It's probably the most frustrating sailboat to ever sail that I've ever tried to sail. I'm a, yeah. I have a Hobie cat that we sail. I'm oh, 16 that I sail most of the time. Yeah, oh, the Hobie's a great fun. I've never, yeah. had a, I've never, I've never had a chance to to, to try out a moth. So, uh, for for those of you who don't know about sailing and they're listening, a moth uh, has a, a foil underneath, and uh, if you get it right, it looks incredibly exhilarating as it lifts up out of the water. Yes, it is. I did a lot of swimming. Let's put it that I bet. way. <laughs> I bet. I've never been so physically. I've done a lot of things that are very. I used to race uh, bicycles competitively, and that's all right. Stuff. Yeah. It's like, I've never like the moth sailing when I was learning that it was like the most physically demanding thing that I've ever done. So I've never been, I've never, I literally remember sitting in the middle of the lake, like hunched over the side of the thing. Like, I don't know if I can move enough <laughs> to get back home right now. <laughs> so, but you have to, but, but the, when you get it right, and the, and in particular if you're out in testing conditions and windy conditions, the exhilaration yeah. is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, yeah, it's tons of fun. Yeah, the whole thing, like everything, just gets real quiet, and there's like this weird hum to it. It makes this yeah. like hum as the as the foil goes through the water. But you come up out of the water, so you're no longer slapping on the waves and stuff. Yeah. And then you yeah. just you hear the hum of the foils and the wind in the sails, and you're just cruising along and like you know special. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool feeling. So I would definitely recommend it. 
Yeah. I'm not, I'm not 16 gonna... is fun too because you get trapped out on the side yeah, so yeah. You're, you're like yeah. on a harness hanging out off the side get yeah. a hole up out of the water that's pretty exhilarating too <laughs> but that's one of the things i really miss in this summer this season uh, is getting out on the water and sails so uh, i live in on the coast of north wales uh, it's, uh, you see it's windy outside so it's a windy breezy day today um, nice. but but um we, we've had we still have some restrictions we've only been able to um, supposedly travel five miles from home so oh that, really wow that that precludes getting to 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 where to where the boat uh, where the boat's kept so uh yes i think uh, that's pretty much our our best months in our season over here are april may june so uh, they've gone <laughs> uh, so yeah we, we we're, we're planning uh how can we make next season be that much better? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when you do get out there, it'll be that much more sweet. <laughs> Absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for your time today. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So, um, you know, we've made a number of references to um, uh, to your business, to Aweber. How can people find out more about you, find more out about uh, Aweber and how it could help them in their business? Sure, absolutely. You can go to our website at aweber.com, A-W-E-B-E-R.com. Uh, you can take a look there. You can find me on... If you search for Tom Colzer, you're going to find me, K-U-L-Z-E-R. I'm not hard to find, whether it's my personal site or whatnot. So shoot me an email on tomk.aweber.com if you have questions or we can help in any way. So very accessible. Fantastic. Tom, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Gavin. Hi, Gavin here. I really enjoyed that conversation with Tom. And I just wanted to share with you uh, a bit of the conversation that actually happened just after I pressed the end to the recording. Uh, we got talking about sailing, as you heard that we had a connection on that. We're talking about taking my young boys out in uh, on, on a trip that took us 50 miles each way and in some fairly you know bumpy sea states and uh, how we managed to frame um, the experience in the eyes of the boys as and my boys has been wow it's like a roller coaster what great fun and just as we were doing that um you know dolphins came to play around the boat which was was amazing and tom just said well do you know what that's just so much how you frame it with your children when they fall off a bike or something like that is how they react to it and there's this moment in time and if you had children of your own and a little one's fallen off a bike and there's a split second when you look at them they look at you rather and they're looking for the cues on how they should respond and uh, we sort of we talked about that compared notes as parents. And Tom said a real gem. It's very much like leadership in business. That, you know, when something happens in the business, people are looking to you for the cues on how to respond and the meaning that you're going to put towards that. So if there's the metaphoric, you know, you've fallen off the bike, something hasn't worked out, you know, you've got to set the meaning for that, about the learning opportunity, about what you can do differently next time. And uh, <laughs> in that moment, I was thinking, damn, I shouldn't have pressed end to the recording because that was a real gem of the conversation so i thought i'd share that with you now have a great week guys take care you've been listening to the business mastermind podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms enjoy more success and create more impact